0: You already know that if you need a car wash, you need to go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. They've got all the tools and expertise to keep your car clean, both inside and on the outside. You want it clean inside because if anybody gets in your car, they're not going to want it look like a pigsty. Plus, you're going to want it clean of all those germs. You want to clean on the outside because if you're going to be pulling up in somebody's neighborhood, maybe going to see a friend, they're going to see the outside of your car and go, wow. This guy, he knows what he's doing with his car washes. That's because Tommy's Express Car Wash is going to take care of you. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard, And body wax. That's right. Have it looking real spiffy. Wheel cleaning and tire gloss. Underbody flush and spot free rinse and vacuums as well. If you're like me, you have a dog. I have a golden retriever. She sheds so much. So I need the vacuums at Tommy's Express Car Wash. And boy, do they have them. They do them right. That's wash, rinse, repeat with Tommy's Express Car Wash. And don't forget to download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's at Tommy's Express Car Wash. Back in Rock Shock Sports Talk here on FM1017 1320 KLWN. Scott Chasen of 247 Sports, Fog.net, gonna join us in about fifteen minutes from right now. We'll also be talking to the two head coaches, Greg Dryling, Calvin Pony Thompson. We had some cool conversations with some of the guys yesterday, and we'll continue on with that today. We'll also later in the show play for you the audio from Lance Leipold, who caught up with the media after the first day of training camp today. And I do want to talk about that a little bit because I thought it was I don't know. There was just kind of a, maybe more of a fast-paced, more of a exciting type of environment, it felt like, um, over there. And I don't know if that's just from a new coach being there or what the deal is, but just from seeing clips, just from being around, it felt a little different than in years past. We mentioned over the course of these shows some of the stuff that Mike Vernon has been saying, and that obviously was a lot of talk um, with... When he went on 610 Sports Radio, what would that have been, two days ago or so, and talked about the Big Ten KU rumor. Well, today Mike is saying that people remain confident this looks good for KU but would like to back off on the imminent timeline. He said main reason is money, and this, this is kind of what I've said all along, paying $80 million to leave early isn't so feasible. If you try to leave the conference right now, you're in the same spot that Texas and Oklahoma is, where you're getting maybe talked about from being sued from a political aspect. You're getting all the other conference members upset at you. You're getting possible league members trying to block you from leaving or maybe league members into the new conference not wanting you to come, trying to block you and stop that as soon as possible. And you're having to, if you want to leave before 2025, pay that $80 million exit fee, which for Texas and Oklahoma, as we talked about earlier this week with Brad Kellner, maybe that's a possibility because they're still owed like $150 million or $200 million from the Longhorn Network, where that could be kind of their get-out-of-jail-free card. KU doesn't have that opportunity, which means they are going to have to just wait till 2025 unless the conference dissolves around you. Now, maybe there's a case to be made that if Kansas were to leave – if Kansas were to exit the Big 12 and that were, report were to come out, then maybe the Big 12 would have a better chance at resolving than right now where it seems like the eight are maybe trying to hold tight a little bit or at least hold tight in the meantime while all eight of them try to talk to other conferences about letting them in. Um, but Mike brought up the logistics, exit fee, state politics, other Big Ten targets, stadium. Um, those are all important, right? Uh, the exit fee thing. Maybe that just means you don't leave till 2025 and then you don't have to worry about the exit fee because it's really hard to convince yourself to pay that exit fee, especially after a year in which COVID reduced your budget by so much. It reduced your ticket sales by so much. So that heavily impacts things. The state politics part of it is just about, hey, would you have to bring Kansas State with you? Is that going to be something that's brought along? But we've also seen you know, there's Texas Senate hearings going on about this with Texas and Oklahoma and certain politicians maybe jumping out, like Roger Marshall, which again, we talked about yesterday how this is just kind of stupid, but is talking about like suing Oklahoma and Texas for breaking up the Big 12, which again, your time and money could probably go in a lot better places than that if you're in politics. So I hope that doesn't end up happening, but you know, that just is politics. Um, The other Big 10 targets thing, That could definitely be something where, you know, the Big Ten might be at a point where they say, hey, we only want to stay at even teams. If we add you, we need to add another team. And I don't know whether that would mean, hey, we'd have to add, you know, a school from another conference or if that means we need somebody to come with you. The obvious candidate in the Big 12 all along has been Iowa State because they're a member of the AU as well. You would think natural in-state rivalry set up with them and Iowa um, but what happens if Iowa, the same way Texas A&M didn't want Texas to join, what if Iowa kind of starts a coup to keep Iowa State out of the league? And what happens if Iowa State, even though they're a member of the AAU, what if they don't have as much of the research institution, so to speak? Or what if they're just not as interesting to the Big Ten? Then what happens? What happens if they say, we'll only take you, but you got to bring somebody with you to the table? That could be a key piece in this as well. And then the stadium, something that I haven't even talked about, something I haven't really thought about it. Obviously, the facilities at KU, you know, from an Allen Fieldhouse perspective, from a KU basketball perspective, and from a KU volleyball perspective with the new facilities. From, I think, KU baseball's stadium is very nice. I think, from um, a standpoint of some of the other sports that are located over at Rock Chalk Park, whether it's the soccer team or the track and field that's hosting Big 12s and NCAA regionals and so forth, you're good with all that. The new tennis facility, and I've said this before, kind of tip your cap to Shea Zanger. You can say what you want, but he was the reason a lot of that got done, and that might end up being kind of a saving grace for you at the end of the day. But the one thing that hasn't been adjusted, that hasn't seen the renovations is the football stadium specifically. Now, they, I think they made the right call in fixing the practice facility is getting the indoor facility, which is to that top-tier level, but they still have to fix that stadium. And I don't know how much money that's going to take, how long that is going to take, but honestly, maybe that does kind of line up with the 2025 thing. If you can't get out until 2025 regardless, what happens if – over these next four years, you're all of a sudden able to kind of build that up. And what happens if in the next three or four years, Lance Leipold brings you back up to being a team that's more relevant football-wise, a team that maybe makes it into a bowl game? That would heavily impact things. And so from that standpoint, what Douglas Gerard said last night, which was basically, time is on our side, it very much could be on KU's side. Now, Mike Vernon also reporting that KU has been fundraising hard and top donors met in Wichita this week. This is a as great a reason as any to fundraise, to fix the football stadium, or to get everything to as state-of-the-art as possible, to try to make you as attractive a candidate as possible to get into the Big Twelve. You know, it's like you're about to go out on a big date. You're gonna brush your teeth. You're gonna make sure your hair is looking good. You're gonna make sure you got some cologne on or whatever. You're gonna pretty yourself up as much as possible, and that's what KU is gonna do here. And so, I don't know. Maybe this is something where some of these donors come together and say, hey, let's make this priority number one to get the football stadium as important as possible because that is such a big juxtaposition. And this, again, is something we haven't really talked about in the realignment here. Think about some of those gigantic stadiums in the Big Ten. When you have your Penn States of the world that hold hundred, hundred and ten thousand 110,000 people, the big house, um, Ohio State Stadium that are holding six digits amount of people, it's half that. For Kansas right now. And it, it's less about the capacity, but it's also about the stadium is a little bit older, especially compared to some of those others. So I think this all just further leans into the idea that, yes, this is going to take some time, but that might end up being a good thing from being patient. And I said this yesterday you got to be proactive and patient at the same point in time. It sounds like a weird mix of the two because being proactive means that you need to be out there and, you know, being just that proactive, whereas being patient, maybe it means more sitting back and understanding that it is going to take time. And those two things sound like kind of a juxtaposition, but they're not in this case. It's being proactive, making the right calls, having the right conversations with the right people, raising the proper funds, making everything as pristine as possible with the university, being proactive to having all your plans in place for what could possibly happen, but also being patient because you don't know when that's all going to occur. It might not happen for four or five years uh, from right now. Scott Jason, 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, joins me now on the phone here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Lance Leipold caught up with the media earlier today as KU began their training camp. So, Scott, what were kind of your initial thoughts? Because I felt like there was, maybe it's just from being a new coach, maybe this is just something we say every time. There's a new hire, but it felt like there was a little bit more energy around the program, around the practice, and kind of around in speaking with Lance Leipold then in years past.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's a, you know, just kind of a different personality and a different way of doing
0: things. And,
1: you know, hey, we just started at, at net a countdown to KU football series. It's 30 columns in 30 days, and it, you know, each day tackles a new column, a new topic. And why I bring that up other than the shameless plug is the first day of the series was comparing the last four Kansas coaches that have taken, you know, Kansas is at a, at a place right now where it'll be four coaches in four seasons. If you count Emmett Jones and I do because he coached an entire spring. So it's not like he was an interim coach for one day. He was, you know, an actual interim coach for an entire uh, uh spring slate. So, Uh, you know, I kind of came up with these buzzwords or or topics and categories that I thought related to each sort of individual head coach. And the ones for Lance Leipold were, you know, involvement in the details, letting his assistants coach, but still finding ways um, to work with players, to work with coaches. There was a lot of collaboration. Um, It was just kind of a different, I would say, more professional way of doing things. Um, and, And obviously, we'll see if that pays off for them. We'll see if it, you know, turns out to be the right approach. But yeah, it was definitely a different energy, a different kind of personality type, and you know, I I think he's a much different coach from uh, maybe not in a huge way from Emmett Jones, although Jones doesn't have the experience he does, but certainly from David Beatty and Les Miles.
0: How much do you think having a coach who, I guess, just kind of to be blunt, knows what he's doing is going to impact things on the field? Because there's part of me that wants to sit here and say, man, they have been missing so much just in terms of maybe the X's and O's, maybe to a lesser extent, just the game management stuff from not knowing when to use timeouts or calling a timeout uh, to talk about a play that you're going to go for it on fourth down and then coming out and punting or having a false start or delay of game on the first play of a drive. Just things that don't happen to successful football programs that have happened to this team. And there's part of me that thinks just having this coaching staff is going to correct those things, and that could mean the world. That could be the difference. In winning an extra couple games here or there, but there still exists that big gap between Kansas and their opponents. I had Phil Steele on a couple weeks ago, and he pointed out that, you know, Kansas was still on average about 200 yards per game behind all of their Big 12 opponents. So I guess how much of a jump can there be had for this team just from having a competent coaching staff in terms of the game management stuff?
1: I think it matters a lot. You know, Kansas. People think you're crazy when you say something like this, but if you actually remember how the season went, it's not crazy. Uh, Kansas had a bowl team a couple of years ago, a mm-hmm. team that won three games and very easily could have won six, uh, a team that lost a game to Texas by two points in the final minute of the game, a team that lost 12-7 to Coastal Carolina because the tug-of-war of the offense hadn't been settled. They scored 48 points the next week against the Power 5 team. Uh, I don't think a 12-7 home loss to Coastal Carolina was uh, you know, what was expected there a team that led Iowa State going into the fourth quarter, a team, um, and this is all the same season, by the way, that lost a one-score game to West Virginia. Uh, You know, that was a team right there that one simple change, which would have been you know, the offensive coordinator spot, or, you know, maybe who had control of that offense is the difference between a team going three and nine and a team making a bowl game. Now that's not every year. Obviously Kansas had a lot of years where they were much, much, much further away, but that is to say that coaching does matter. uh, And it matters a lot, you know, same thing in David Beatty's last year where there were close games or games that were given away uh, just because of, you know, little mistakes and little details. And, you know, you remember the TCU game that was almost given away, Um, you know, because of how the Jayhawks tried to run out the clock and almost gave TCU um, a chance to kick a field goal for the win. So, you know, I don't think Kansas is necessarily close to turning around and winning six games or anything like that. But I do think the importance of coaching, the details, experience, all that stuff, I think that matters a lot more than people realize. And maybe it's because Kansas hasn't had like that good detail you know, game manager coach for a while now or because there have been issues uh, maybe in the way that game operations have taken place. Um, I think you will notice a difference, maybe not so much in year one um, or maybe in some little ways in year, year one, but I, I think a lot more down the line as this thing starts rolling. Um, Lance Leipold had a comment today. He said there were a lot of times where they got off the bus or whatever at Buffalo And they, you know, looked at the two teams and, you know, just with that glance, you would say, well, the other team has the advantage. You know, I I wouldn't expect our guys to go out, you know, line up and just beat their guys. But because of technique and strategy and all those things, they were able to find ways to make it work. And I think that's something that if you're a Kansas fan, that's exactly what you're hoping to hear. You know, you may not have the five star recruits, you may not have the best anything, but you know, you're gonna out technique, out learn, and then out kind of execute other teams. And I think that's the way to have the most success.
0: What would you say is the ceiling of how many wins you could get this year? And and I don't wanna turn this into well, Lance Leipold needs to win this many games because this is basically a honeymoon year. He didn't have an off season and even if he did have the off season, we know where things are coming off a zero win season but let's say everything went right for KU this season what's the most wins you could see them getting
1: uh in a world where everything goes right and you catch teams at the right time i mean what maybe three uh, I, I i even hesitate to say like well if everything breaks right for because boy that would sure mean everything breaking wrong for a few other teams and maybe some injury luck or something too I don't know, maybe COVID-19 taking, you know, some roster stuff out of it for other teams. But uh, look, I, I think Kansas this year is a one- or two-win team most likely. And, and, you know, maybe they get up to three. I think the thing you'll have to avoid, and there are no, like, must-win, must-lose numbers or anything like that, you, you can't go winless. And, and I think doing that two years in a row, Uh, would be damaging and detrimental to the brand and make it that much harder to recruit and get a message across. And, you know, it might even, you know, sour, you know, early on some of the fan base uh, during that that honeymoon period that would say, you know, I'm going to come back to Kansas football when they're actually winning and not winning one, two, or three games, but winning a lot more than that. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably what you have to avoid. But, you know, I, I think Kansas probably ends up getting closer to its ceiling uh, then it's for this season, which I'm not sure is always the case. Like last year was a good example, um, you know, based off the kind of randomness, uh, to the, the Coastal Carolina game at the beginning of the year and how when KU got going. The Jayhawks got right back into the game, you know, that could have been a two win team. With that game, and then obviously Texas Tech, they had how many chances to just go down and and score one touchdown and win that game? And that's not saying they should. It's not really like the other seasons I alluded to where there were games that they were in control of or leading in the fourth quarter that, you know, you got to find a way to finish those off. But that is to say, Kansas was a lot closer to the floor, which was a winless season, than the ceiling, which probably would have been two, I think you'd argue they were right up against the floor with maybe a shot. Um, I think this year, Kansas would be probably maybe equally close to that, that ceiling of three wins as they would maybe that floor of one win. So, you know, it doesn't sound like much progress, but I actually think it is for the program.
0: Yeah, and I mean, part of the reason I bring this up, I'm going somewhere with this. If KU wins four games in year one with Lance Leipold, I'm not joking, I will lead the charge for Lance Leipold, Big 12 coach of the year. Yeah, uh, you can make a will legit Will you get on board case. with me? Will you help the hype train?
1: Yeah, you, you can make a legit case. Um, I, Big 12 coach the year probably depends on whatever. They haven't
0: won guess, four you know. games in over a decade. Like, that would be something special. I'm not joking. Like, I will I yeah. will lead yeah. that charge.
1: Now, you know, Texas Tech wins 10 games. Then you're going to have a hard time uh, <laughs> making that argument. But, yeah, I mean, in in a, in a vacuum, sure. Yeah, they they haven't. I mean, this is a program that's averaged 1.9 wins, 1.9 uh, over the last decade plus, I want to say 11 years. And what's crazy is like that number, you don't even want that in your rebuilding season. Like ideally as a program, your down rebuilding season should be like three, four wins and maybe competitive and more. And even then you don't want to have too many three win seasons. I mean, ideally you wouldn't really have to rebuild. You would just have guys kind of coming up through the ranks of the program. So, yeah, I mean, if he won four games by an act of God or something, uh, then yes. But yeah, I, I think for Lance Leipold, the most important thing is, you know, the games relative to competition, relative to the betting spread, if you want to put it in that term, should be getting closer as the year goes on. Uh, you know, I, I expect a few early blowouts just because, This is a a coaching staff that didn't have a spring with, you know, their players. And now they're going to try and implement a brand new system and figure out the roster. You know, Lance Leifold still has to learn everyone's name and learn, you know, how everyone fits best and how everyone works together. So it's going to take some bumps and bruises early on. But I would expect the team to come together and be playing better at the end of the year than maybe the Jayhawks were last year under a different coaching
0: staff. What's the position group or maybe a player at a certain position that you're kind of most intrigued by what happens there?
1: Uh, Wide receiver for me, uh, quarterback's the easy answer, and I think it's probably maybe the correct one. But, you know, there there are a few options at quarterback. Uh, Wide receiver is so intriguing because there are so many guys that are just gigantic question marks right now that we don't know about. You know, starting with L.J. Arnold, he had all the hype coming in last year. I think dealt with some injuries both in the spring and during the season. You know, what does he look like? Is he a true number one? Kansas doesn't have a number one. You know, Kwame Lasseter is the most veteran uh, wide receiver, and from everything I've heard, it sounds like he's the guy who routinely gets open. So he's going to play. He's going to get on the field. You know, what about Luke Grimm? Was Luke Grimm and and his emergence last year, was that more a matter of circumstance? Was it more a matter of playing, you know, against or opposite uh, other, maybe you would say, you know, top-tier Big 12 wideouts? with Andrew Parksman on the field, or you know, is he actually good enough to lead a unit? So uh, I think there are a lot of questions in that unit, a lot of interesting young players, and, and that's when I'm I'm definitely interested to see how it turns out.
0: We're talking with Scott Chasen of 247 Sports, Fog.net. I do want to touch a little on the realignment stuff, especially with Doug Gerard coming out and making some comments last night. Uh, what do you take from what Gerard said? Are you taking it all for for it worth? I know there were some people saying, the way that this is worded, maybe that means something else. How did you kind of approach Doug Gerard's comments last night?
1: I mean, I, I took his comments at face value. He said the thing about, you know, uh, I don't have the exact quote I wrote up in front of me, but just that Kansas time is on Kansas's side. He said that twice. He didn't just say it once, uh, and it was clearly just something he wanted to hammer home in in maybe the minute or two that he addressed realignment and you know the the COVID nineteen bigger update that he gave. So. You know, I think Kansas patience is an approach that they're not necessarily going to write all the way through. Because as many have said, if the right opportunity comes along, you have to jump on it. Um, but, you know, and, and I've said this from the beginning, I don't expect this to be an immediate thing. Um, you know, uh, certain words get thrown around, certain, you know, reports are always going to swirl. But, you know, right now, Kansas has probably some options it could look at. Uh, A lot of them are probably not desirable. A lot of them are probably dropping down to lower levels. And if you want, you know, I I think I said this maybe a week ago on the show, or or maybe it was longer than that, but I I suspect Kansas will be in a position where maybe a Power 5 opportunity comes along, and it's not the Power 5 opportunity that they gonna have to make a decision, you know. Do you risk it? Do you latch on to a different conference? Do you, you know, make it? you know, make that jump and, and just hope that ends up being the best option, or do you wait? Um, and, you know, again, I, I think this is a thing that's gonna get drawn out for a while. That was sort of my takeaway from Doug Gerard's comments. So um, you know, no major update, nothing earth shattering, but you know, he was certainly preaching patience and that uh, seems to be kind of the company line right now.
0: I just feel like Given that the contract doesn't expire till 2025, I know a lot of people are going to want answers right away, but I think that's 100% right. Just the idea that, hey, if we leave for another conference, we're in the same spot Texas and Oklahoma is. Like, we're going to be in a spot where we're going to be having to pay a buyout if we want to get out early, or we're just going to have to wait till 2025 anyway. So I kind of think that this is going to be the move that all these different ADs and Presidents of these different universities are going to reach out to the different schools and try to find what's best for them. But in the meantime, in the near term, so to speak, till 2025 or maybe till 2024 or something, all these schools are going to stay together. They're not going to add any other schools because if you add other schools, that also lessens the amount of money that they're going to be making from conference to conference. Now, if you do add more teams, that's probably a signaling of them saying, no, we do have plans for the Big 12 to stay together in the future. But if that's not the plan, then I think in the short term, yeah, it's just stand pat with eight teams and everybody in their money and kind of do your work to try to find another spot elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if the Big Ten reached out to Kansas tomorrow and said, Kansas, come on down. We would love to have you. Uh, Your basketball program is exactly what we in the Big Ten need. You're a great geographical fit, all that. If you're Kansas, you jump on that ten times out of ten. The second you get the call. You don't even need the details. You just say yes. But Think about it again from the Big Ten's perspective. What is the Big Ten's motivation to do something immediately, right? The Big Ten is not on a clock. The Big Ten makes a ton of money. The Big Ten has some awesome schools for both football and basketball. And the Big Ten has time to sit and wait and evaluate schools and evaluate options and see how is everyone fitting into each place or certain conferences or members going to reach out, get nervous. So for me, I've not been skeptical of the idea that the Big Ten would be interested in Kansas because I think, you know, Kansas has a lot to offer, uh, you know, a conference like the Big Ten or maybe other conferences, too. Uh, I think there could be some interesting stuff with the ACC. Obviously, for the Pac-12, the opportunity to get out of the West Coast time zone and, and add a few teams, I think that would be, you know, beneficial, even if it doesn't necessarily look like it's headed down that path at the moment. I think that would be something that would help the PAC 12, which, you know, quite frankly, at times has been an irrelevant uh, brand. I think it would provide some relevancy. However, just because I think there could be, should be, will be, you know, interest, all that stuff, doesn't mean I expect, again, you know, this week to find out, oh, hey, Kansas is jumping on the Big Ten X, Y, and Z. I think there are a lot of moving parts, and the people I talk to, generally tend to think there are a lot of moving parts and that there are a lot of questions and that there are fewer answers right now. Now, I will say, uh, reading into some comments that Bill Self made, either, I guess, today or yesterday to The Athletic, uh, yeah, maybe it does sound a little bit like, you know, uh, I think he mentioned maybe there's a better challenge out there uh, than the Big 12, which, you know, if you want to read into a comment, would certainly sound like alluding to joining a really good basketball conference and adding Kansas to it. But, again, that doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. And I think that's the thing that people have to remember is, you know, it took Texas and Oklahoma, it took them a long time in the shadows to get this thing figured out. And, you know, I think in the light of everything that's going on, uh, it's going to take some time for that stuff to get sorted out too.
0: Talking with Scott Jason, fog.net, 24-7 sports. A few more minutes here. I also wanted to just bring up Marcus Garrett in the summer league. Uh, He's been playing very well, and he's been causing headaches for anyone he's being guarded by. Last time we talked was the day of the draft, so we didn't actually get a chance to react to Marcus Garrett signing with the Heat after he was undrafted to an Exhibit 10 deal. What are your thoughts on his chances of making the Heat roster? I know things have kind of changed since now. They've signed a bunch of veterans, but at the very least, sticking in the NBA to some regard this year.
1: Yeah, I think it was an abject, Uh, abject, I don't know if failure is the right word, but disappointment for Marcus Garrett to sign an Exhibit 10 deal. Uh, For people who don't know, and and I know you've explained it before, an Exhibit 10 contract basically means that a team sees you as an NBA G League prospect and that you're almost certainly not going to be on their team. They're going to cut you at the end of the season. You'll make about, you know, it could be up to $50,000 and they're going to stick you in the G League. Uh, Rarely do they get converted into two-way contracts. Even more rarely do you actually follow through and make it as a veteran minimum, uh, you know, one-year NBA contract, which is, you know, the, I, I don't want to say worse, because it sounds negative, but it's still great to be in the NBA, but that's the absolute worst NBA contract you could sign. So, uh, or not veterans minimum, just a one-year minimum. So, you know, that for Marcus Garrett was disappointing. What is not disappointing is now he's going to get the opportunity to play against guys trying to make the NBA, who are going to learn very quickly that if you dribble the ball out in front of Marcus Garrett, he's going to steal it from you. I mean, the guy has 10 steals, 10 in two games played against guys (laughs) trying, right? Guys trying to make it to the NBA. These aren't just like some scrubs at a gym or, you know, some backup players or guys at the combine who might not be going all out or something like these are guys fighting and clawing to make an NBA roster. And they can't stop this guy from averaging five steals a game. Uh, I think that's something that would impress. That would probably uh, give him a shot to at least land on a roster. Maybe, maybe um, get converted into a two-way deal. I think that would be, Uh, probably an ideal situation for him. And you know what? If he gets to the point at the end of the season, he gets called up to a roster, he gets to make some money, maybe appear uh, in some big games, even if it's just a spot roll, you know, five or ten minutes, uh, I think that would be huge for him. But for now, he's showing what he can do on defense. And, you know, obviously KU fans know all about it, Uh, just how, you know, how how much he can change a game and affect things on that end.
0: He is Scott Jason. Check out all his work, fog.net. 24-7 twenty four seven sports. Scott, thank you so much for the time as always. Thanks for having me. Calvin now joining me here. Getting them all set up. Hey Calvin, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. And you can take a seat there wherever wherever you can fit comfortably. It's a little uh a little more cramped up here. But thanks for coming by. We're uh excited and I don't know, have you been uh thinking about this matchup for a little now that Greg Dryling is gonna be your Uh, your opponent on the other side your former teammate
2: well i I told brian that um he shouldn't have given us the rosters and um until this morning because greg wasn't able to sleep the last couple of nights so (laughs) i I sleep well so uh, i'm fine all right so have you how how much time have you gotten to kind of dive into the roster and, and who everybody on your team is well um I looked at it briefly when he first gave it to me. Then I looked at it again this morning and made my first team, second team, and subs. and really helped to um, let the guys know that this is a charity fundraising <laughs> game and don't be coming to me complaining about playing time. <laughs> so, Kellogg's already called me asking if he could start. So. We had Kellogg on yesterday,
0: and we were wondering about that with... Him being another one of your former teammates, if he would be
2: able to, you know, get your ear a little bit better than some of the other players. <laughs> no, he will not. I told him it's not Saturday, and if I just turned 57, so he's closer to 60. So um, I, I probably should let him start, actually, and mm. then he'll be done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just tire him out early. It's like, a, you know. Well, he, he's already tired. He told he called me earlier today and said he had just left the gym working out, so I'm sure he's done.
0: What do you think the like? What's the ideal game for Ron Kellogg? Is it hitting one three, two threes? What do you think you can get from um, him?
2: If he hit when he hit the first one, then he'll probably shoot ten more. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, I, I told Greg I, I shouldn't or he shouldn't have to worry about that since he's on my team because Greg's not setting picks for him so
0: you know we were talking about the best shooters in KU history yesterday as far as the guys you played with would would Ron be at the top of that list and feel free if you want to interject yourself if you want to
2: interject uh, uh, somebody I, else I don't have a problem with that trust yeah? me yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always tell Ron um Stats don't lie, Mm -hmm. and he will forever be behind me in scoring at KU, (laughs) so um, Carl Henry, Mm -hmm. Carl Henry was by far the best shooter. And Carl, I believe, he came over and only played for, what, two years? Yes, he he transferred from Oklahoma City. Yeah, and Um, I
0: believe that's a guy that, you know, he doesn't get as talked as much about because of that, because... When you're talking about your KU legends and all the all-time scores and stuff, he doesn't
2: end up as high on those lists because he was only here for a couple of years. But. Exactly, and then his two sons played afterwards, um, Xavier and CJ. Um, I talk to Carl probably once or twice a month. Um, in fact, I just talked to him last week, and that's why I'm plugging his name because he said they need to talk about him more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll
0: tell you what, that has got to be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the, the other ones. I know... There's always been the talk of Danny Manning and Evan Manning as the top father-son scoring duo in KU history, which Danny did a little more of the pull there than than Evan did, Um, but that's got to be, in terms of, if you're just talking about like a balanced team, that's got to be as good of a father-son duo as you can have in Kansas basketball history. Yeah,
2: I mean, I can't, who is it, Morning Stars? Yep, the Morning Stars um, with Brady and... uh, Roger. Roger, yep.
0: Yeah. There's not a, not as many, but right. certainly eventually more will come in. Uh, we're joined by Calvin Pony Thompson here. So um, you mentioned already having your first team picked out. Is that something you can share, or is that that a little secret because
2: you don't want to give anything out to Greg? Well, I'm not worried about Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Greg was the one that didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, let me get situated here. All right my glasses are fogging up with this mask on so
0: yeah all I got good my shot, so yeah and here's here's the guys that are on your team okay, this is i, I team. got it i got
2: yeah. it i have my there we cheat go. sheet in there let me see my starters is obviously my main guy devante yeah marcus morris mm-hmm. um mario little one two three you know who he is, Russell Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I've been going back and forth on my fifth one. Um, it is not Cole Aldrich. No, way it would be, but I'm I want him to dominate that second team because if you look mm. on the red team, they don't have a second five. No, they do not. And so um, I want to say Huma. It's probably. Whoa, see I this is different from my list. <laughs> you have different players than you originally intended? Right, yes. You might have to file see, a complaint with Brian. Yeah, cause Brady Morningstar is supposed to be on my team. Hmm, looks like we had a trade at the last minute. Oh, huh, that's not right. I'm so high-end. I believe I know Brady was my felt starter. Okay,
0: so this is interesting. A little gamesmanship here. I know that Greg Ostertag ended up not being able to make it.
2: Greg was never on any roster that I had. Seen. Okay,
0: so I wondered if he tried to balance out the rosters, but I don't know. That'll be that'll be the conspiracy of the day. If your team ends up losing, though, now you have a built-in excuse. Now you can just say, "Well, that's why." We won't lose, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. So I did want to go over something with you. I don't know if you knew this. Obviously, now you're facing Greg Dryling, but uh, your friend Bud Stallworth, that was obviously a nice, fun rivalry. I don't know if you knew this, but you guys met seven times in history between the two of you. Total points scored in the series. Your teams had 728. His teams had
2: 727. Wow, And that that was indicative of how the... Wins and losses went. Yeah, absolutely. So he That's won just once, incredible. and I won the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope Bud's doing well. I, I miss o Isaac. Mm-hmm. I told Brian that um, we texted each other um, about a month ago, so uh, I hope he's doing well. Yeah, we all do, and uh,
0: miss him being out here. Miss him with the, the camaraderie and the trash talk that he always provides. Oh, he's yeah. always got as good of a mouth as any with that. Uh, do you have any indication for the guys that are on your team that are that are the football players? Because you have uh, Derek Fine and Todd and Do you have
2: any indication how good they are at basketball? Todd got a little luck like game. Okay. Um, I just saw Derek's name on here this week, but but Todd got some game. Um, that's not saying he's going to play a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to But win he holds his own for a football oh, player. Yeah, he yeah. holds his own. And BMAC... Um, He's on the other squad. He, he has a good number. He's number 35. So. <laughs> well, BMAC might need a little uh, of the mojo from that
0: number 35 because I know in recent years he's had a little bit, bit of trouble. If BMAC can get one bucket, I think we call it a good day for BMAC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so who do you have? We're going to be doing, me and Richie, my producer, we're going to be doing a points draft where we're going to draft players from both teams and whoever ends up with more points. We haven't figured out what the, the loser is going to have to do with that bet or anything. Is Devontae the, the clear candidate to lead
2: your team in points, do you think? Uh, I would say Mario a little. Ooh.
0: See, Mario is interesting. Me and Brian were talking about this yesterday. There's some guys that every year you don't necessarily like when you're thinking of KU basketball All Americans. They may be not on that list, but they're guys that can just get buckets. They're going to hustle up and down the floor. They're going to get those transition dunks. Kevin Young was one in the past. He's not playing this year. But I like that Mario Little one. I think he's a guy that at Kansas he was asked to play a little bit of a different role. But now that he's been overseas and playing wherever and playing in the
2: basketball tournament, all these things, you can see that, that dude can score the basketball. Oh, yeah. He's a flat-out scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Ben will be going at it. So hopefully – Greg will realize that this is a benefit charity game and will not allow Ben to stay on the floor for the entire game like Bud used to. So that's that's the biggest key to the game. It's avoiding the fifty-point
0: outburst from Ben McElmore. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Well, I was I was totaling up over the last three. This is all I could find going back into box scores. The last three Rock Chalk Round Ball Classics of so 2017, 2018, 2019. Ben McElmore in those three has 126 points, which is 42 a game. Second on that list of guys who are returning and playing this year is Elijah Johnson, who has
2: 41 total points. Wow. So Ben has just dominated this event. Oh, no. Ben is, he takes it serious. He's he's putting on a show for the kids. He's really good to the kids, as, as you'll see again tonight, I'm sure. I haven't talked to him, but I'm almost positive, but... This is, um, he's the ultimate professional. He, he really puts on a show for everyone. Any chance we see you out there as a player, coach? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I quit playing back in 94, 95, I quit playing. So. It's funny you say that because Cole Aldridge, who we talked
0: with, and maybe, I, I don't know if you knew this, uh, we talked with him yesterday, he hasn't picked up a basketball in about a year and a half.
2: Well, see, I'm pretty smart for not starting him. There you go. Yeah, you let but, but him ease into the game. He's still seven foot. Um, wow. But yeah. but that doesn't surprise me. When when I quit playing, it was a little different. Um, I was going through a divorce personally, and didn't want to play. I, I did not want to play single. Um, early 30s, and I had dealt. I had played all those years with my left leg being two inches longer than my right leg, and people didn't realize it, because when I ran, you couldn't tell that much, but when I was in dress shoes or barefoot, I would walk in a circle, I mean, it was a big difference, and so, going through the personal issues that I had, I I decided to go ahead and have surgery, so I had surgery, and they took two inches off my left leg, so that was, I had to learn to walk again, it took me a year and a half to learn to walk, so... Um, that's why I don't play anymore. Um, but it was it was too easy to, if I had kept playing to go back and take another contract, which I didn't want to do. So I had to t- just totally give it all up.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Well, I, I don't think I've ever asked this. I know this is my first year doing RCST fully, but I've at least been around when Nick and the predecessors have, have talked to you. I don't think I've ever gotten to know why the nickname Pony
2: are we still there? No. (laughs) (laughs) Though, shame on you. My father's name was Horace, H-O-R-A-C, like Horace Grant. Mm -hmm. When we were in kids, third and fourth grade, we used to play the dozens and talk about each other's parents. And the kids, they never said Horace. They would say horse, Uh, your dad's horse, Mm -hmm. so you're a pony. So in the fourth grade, uh, long-time friend Teresa Smith nicknamed me Pony and it stuck I love that I so love that. that that's the real reason the rest of them are fabricated right, is there any
0: tactical game plan you can share are you gonna throw out a zone yeah. you got any plays that, that you got ready
2: to to run up or are you just letting the players play the game no like I said we're gonna try to have fun the most important part is to to stay healthy Um, put on the show for the fans Um, it's been a while since we were able to get out and play in front of people last year you know we had to do it virtually and um, we'll try to if it's close we'll try to win the game in the last four or five minutes if, if not then we'll just continue to let everybody play and have fun but the main part is to stay healthy that's calvin pony thompson he's the head coach of the blue team coach good
0: luck tonight and uh yeah see you throughout the event appreciate it thanks for having me you don't know who Greg Dryland is he's seven foot one so I'm not gonna make him actually sit down in this tiny chair we'll do this standing up here Greg thank you for for coming by and you excited to make your rock chalk round ball classic uh, coaching debut yeah hopefully in this thing one and no. Oh, but if not it's it's all about the kids <laughs> and, and just having a good time. So your opposing coach, Calvin Pony Thompson, one of your former teammates, have there already been mind games ensued between the two of you?
3: Yeah, he was uh, saying something about now that he he knows, now that I know he's going to be facing off against me that I probably wouldn't get any sleep for the next few <laughs> days. I I texted he and Brian Haney yesterday morning at 8.30, and Calvin said, see, I told you he's not sleeping. He's sending these text messages at 8.30. I go, when have you last held a real job? 8.30 yeah, is not. Right. That doesn't mean I'm not sleeping. I just, I just get up around 7. That's
0: what the deal is. Do you think if you, if you had to go out, because another one of your former teammates um, is playing in this event in, uh, in uh, Ron Kellogg. If you had to go out there, what are you giving us? Could you, could you give us a couple points? I'll give you some shots. Okay, I
3: promise <laughs> I'll, I'll take shots. and I'll tell my team today. We're here to have a good time, have some fun with the fans. If you think you're going to commit a turnover, just shoot it. <laughs> Don't worry about making the extra pass in this game because it's been my experience. <laughs> if you make the extra pass, you'll never see it again. So um, if, you're, if you're open, shoot it. And
0: if you think you're going to turn it over, shoot it. Okay, so Calvin was saying that you know he thinks he has a big advantage with Cole Aldridge being his big man. Um, do you have anything that you're going to do to try to counteract that? Is there going to be any strategic play defensively? You're going to double team them down low. You know what? What we're going to do if anybody
3: shoots a two, they're coming back to the bench. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're going to go. I love it. Current day NBA. Okay, we're going to put up at least fifty threes, if not
0: more. I love it. I love it. So that means that a lot of stress is going to be put on your guards specifically, which you have a lot of good ones. Ben McElmore, Tyshawn Taylor, Elijah Johnson, Travis Relaford, uh, Brady Morningstar was a late ad. We were just talking about that okay. with, with Calvin. Do you have any idea what your your starting five is going to be yet? I do not mm-hmm. um,
3: because I was just going to take a look and make sure the roster was put together, as I was told, and then uh, we'll just go from there. Let it's see, it's tough to match up with Cole, but – Um, You know, we'll we'll just keep him outside so that maybe if somebody does want
0: to drive, he's out there guarding somebody who can possibly shoot. We're going to be doing a points draft later on the show. Me and my producer. Um, Any any early indications who you think might be in the uh, the end the day as the uh, leading scorer on the Crimson team.
3: Uh, probably Ben mm-hmm. would be my guess because he'll handle the ball probably quite a bit, and he can attack and he'll fire up the three. See. Although uh, uh, Marquise, I give him mm-hmm. a, a nice shot at, at going big, uh, unless that contract he just signed is weighing <laughs> heavy on his back pocket. <laughs> ben just signed one as well, though. So you got the two new NBA Oh, That's, that's right. He's up yeah. in up in Portland, isn't he? So. Yep. Uh, well, you know, he'll just want to, maybe they'll just both want to
0: show off here for their new teams. <laughs> <laughs> is there any concern level for your former teammate, Ron Kellogg? Is there, if, I, is
3: there, if there's a number four or 44, anywhere in this building, he sees it. He's going to think it's a sign <laughs> from God. This is going to be his night. But as I've learned, uh, when you're in the 15 crowd, it's tough to get the ball mm-hmm. enough times to do too much damage. I was in the last game I played here, I was 2 for 3 from 3 and I had three shots that night. So, I'm <laughs> like, guys, I mean, just feel s- it, s- Swing them all. Yeah. <laughs> if I start missing, I'll just move it along. But uh hey, it's all about having a good time and yeah. with this crowd, we will surely do that. And I can't wait to see Ron. It's been forever. It might have been, I think it was a Final Four in New Orleans the last time I saw Ron.
0: Yeah, that's one of the coolest things about this. Obviously, the beneficiaries is the main thing, and that is the best part about everything. But right. getting some of the, the players to come back and not just reconnect with their former teammates, but other eras of KU basketball history. Correct,
3: correct. Yeah, but, uh, especially in the after parties, you have to sometimes uh, break apart the clicks. Yeah. You know, the, the, the guys that have been out 10 years, and they're like, oh, let's talk about the old days. like, old days?
2: <laughs> They're not old days unless right. you can't
3: remember them. You know, yeah. you need you need three or four guys there just so you can get all the stories <laughs> put together, uh, and of course the stories get better the older you get because they become embellished and and changed to favor whoever's telling the story all right so how about a
0: good story then about i don't know something whether it was a practice story or a game story or just off the court story something involving yourself and maybe pony thompson or ron kellogg the two guys who are here from that uh 86 team
3: you know what i I, i'd be remiss not to mention coach brown Mm -hmm. then in a story that involved all of us and coach was always trying to teach us a lesson or two if not more um in their time here and i know one time we were having a team team meal at a family style restaurant here in in the <laughs> lawrence and so they had the food the chicken and the vegetables all spread out and the pitchers of lemonade and iced tea and well one of us i won't say his name ron <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of parked the lemonade pitcher next right next to him he just kept pouring a fresh glass and his ran out and uh, the next day, Coach Brown's like, "I saw something yesterday at dinner, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to say who it was, Ron, but we need to learn to pass the ball better, right? <laughs> Why, what's that got to do? I saw you guys hoarding the drink, the drink <laughs> pitchers last night. You, you guys, you guys got to stop being selfish like that. And we heard that quite, quite a bit uh, from Coach until we finally figured out what he meant. It was not an, an attack on our Personalities. It's just you got to if you got to share a basketball, you got to share everything, and you got to become a family and a unit, and just learn how how to work together as one, and kind of one
0: for all. And Larry Brown, I mean, coaching again, he's going to Memphis this next year. What makes him such a good coach? You know, he just has a passion for it. He
3: loves to teach, and uh, asked all the guys to play for him. He he taught the right way, And, and you talk to people who have played for him. Uh, and they, that's kind of the running. No, it's a running joke you got to play the right way, the <laughs> right way. And but it's true. He, like I said, if we, if we played the way he asked us to, we were going to win the game. You know. I mean, yes, you do. Sometimes you don't win them all, but we always had a shot at the end uh, if we just listened and believed. And like I said, that that senior year, we had bought in fully and just unfortunately couldn't get mm-hmm. past those little
0: devils. Mm. <laughs> and that was kind of the, like the start of the big Coach K era, too, which is really interesting. But, I mean, that team, I was just talking about this with Ron yesterday, I feel like it doesn't get as much maybe hype as when you bring up the best KU teams of all time, they always throw out 98 with, you know, Got Pollard and Ray LaFrance and Paul Pierce, and you have the '03 or the '02 team with Nick Collison and everybody. The 0-8 team that won a national title, but for my money, that 1986 team is as good as any KU basketball team in history.
3: You know what? When we they um, played the Final Four in Dallas a few years ago, uh, we did a little roundtable discussion with uh, Mark Allery, uh, with uh, with uh, geez, uh, Purvis Ellison, and um, John Williams. And myself, and we were just talking about the '86 Final Four in Dallas. And when I first saw those guys, I hadn't come from my house, it's just across town. So I drive in and walk into the area where they're holding this thing, and they all look at me and go, We didn't want to play you guys. <laughs> you know, this is Allery and Purvis Elson. I said, Well, you could have stayed home, <laughs> especially you, Allery. Just, uh, but no, this was, that, was a, that was a tough Final Four. You yeah. think three teams that want, well, two, we were 35 wins, right. Duke 37, mm-hmm. and I believe Louisville ended up with a 32 or 33. Yeah. Uh, Has that happened since? I don't know that uh, that many wins have come into a Final Four. Right. And the only, only reason LSU didn't have 30 was because their team through the season had contracted chickenpox th- three players at a time. They were never. At Weird three. story. Yeah. So. Uh, that could have been possibly four 30-win teams in the Final Four, which I, I don't think that's happened. I
0: know the 8 one with Kansas, that one always rings out because he had four one-seeds. But, I mean, yeah, you think about it, and I, I, I was looking, Kansas was number two in the final AP poll before the tournament. Duke was number one, the team he played in the Final Four. I believe you guys played Louisville earlier that season, didn't well, you, you? yeah, you look at that yeah.
3: Final Four, we beat du- Louisville twice, yeah. Duke beat us twice, and Louisville beats Duke. It was
0: just a perfect kind it of.
3: Kind of tells you that the right teams are in the tournament. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Larry Brown, going back to him, there's always some funny pictures of just the uh, what he wore sometimes to games. I mean, he was a fashion kind of icon for a basketball coach. Is there any times that he, you know, wore something and all the players and you guys were going, "What is he wearing?"
3: You know, I I don't really really recall. Coach Brown was a sense of style that was. Too far off the rails, but I do know when Rick Berry came to, to town one time, <laughs> I'd never seen a grown man wear a fur, so uh, that kind of blew my mind. And, and, and of course, Scooter just goes, That's dad, you know. So, uh, and but once again, he's always been a good good to me. And uh, when I've spoken to him in his travels as an NBA announcer and whatnot, Rick Berry, good guy. Oh, uh, but man, they, he just had a look that this this kid from Kansas hadn't seen,
0: hadn't seen that West Coast uh, West Coast Golden State look. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen this picture before, but I don't know if this would have been with you or no. This was way before. This was in the 1970s. But this is. I would said Denver. Ways. I would guess okay. Denver
3: if I'm correct.
0: Yeah, yes, we're getting the, the head nod over here. pants and the giant bow ties. Yeah, there's and some other ones with Larry yes, wearing No,
3: I, I tell you what, that was definitely the golden age of uh, of coaches just dressing <laughs> their own style. I'm sure he and Doug Moe went out that night and, and had a good time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the styles of the 70s, just uh, untouched Yeah, as far as I.
0: Well, I think. I think it's interesting too because you're a guy who you started at Wichita State, came over to Kansas, and obviously now the the transfer portal and, and everything with that is kind of blown up. Right? Uh, is that something that you view as being you know good for the game because you've experienced something similar where it kind of helped you along your career path, or um, are there certain things that maybe you liked a little bit different about the old system? Uh, gosh, you know
3: I I don't have a big opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I think. If if a kid goes somewhere in good faith and and uh, feels he needs to remove himself from a situation, um, I, I don't see it's bad letting him go and play right away. Uh, I don't know exactly what what all the rules entail, but it was it was tough to uh, to take a year off. Yeah, that was and then for me, <laughs> I mean,
0: because you're coming out, you're a McDonald's All American. Yeah, you know, you're expecting to. Get to yeah. play right away and having to sit out a year—that must have been well, pretty to, tough. Well, to you know, to sit out a
3: year after the transfer and then open your first game up at Houston against the Lodge one—it <laughs> was it was horrendous. It was—I mean, I was in about shock and awe. That's that playing against that guy. I just remember uh, coming to the bench after I think I—I think I scored my first point in the last three minutes or something. And, I just kind of sit, and he always came down and sat next to Coach Brown um, when he came out of the game, and he doesn't say anything, and I just sit there waiting, waiting, and he just looks over. He goes, "He's pretty good, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, don't, "I think I said something I can't say on the radio," and he said,
0: "He said you'll be okay, you'll be all right," and he and once again, he was right. Yep. Yeah, he's he was quite the player. Are there any other any other stories of of matchups like that that you look back on and say I can't believe I got to play against that guy? Well, I, I
3: don't know if it's so much playing against a guy. I wish we could have played played North Carolina once because mm-hmm. you know that's that was Coach's alma mater, and and we heard, certainly heard a lot about <laughs> UNC when he first got there with us. Um, but uh, you know, aside from that, I did have a next door neighbor, a little little kid who my son babysat for him when he was a kid. Well, this kid ends up going to uh, Iowa State. Uh, he's This kid's 24 years old now, anyway. So if ever, if ever Iowa State got a piece of us, I, oh, okay. I just heard from this kid. I said, <laughs> listen, we used to take Iowa State. And I think, oh, we never won there. Man, I hated those guys. I hated going up to Ames. It was a, always a tough game, mm-hmm. always a tough game. Uh, and probably my, my, my favorite game here at Kansas was a defeat of, of uh, Missouri. And uh, it was just, it must have been senior year. And Ron and Calvin and I said, this is going to be a massacre. And it was. And it just <laughs> the, the, the feeling of Allen Fieldhouse when you're hitting big buckets and just just throwing the haymakers and landing all of them, you just kind of vibrated down the floor, <laughs> That like that old. Well, I'm aging myself. I know what you. I had one. The, the old kid. football yep. game yep. where you turn it on and it vibrates vibrate. they just go that's, randomly. And that's up. what it felt like when you would be backpedaling there, running back to defense. Like you're floating, and the other team is just trudging through the sands of <laughs> Iwo It's they just don't want to come down and, and face the defense, and then the fast break coming back. So uh,
0: those were good times. He's Greg Dryling. Former, what all big eight at the time? You know what? I don't even remember. <laughs> at all the conferences, I, I,
3: it's just, I believe. Yeah. I believe Ronnie got the big awards and Danny, but that that's quite uh, quite all right. It was just great to be a well, part of a, uh, something so big.
0: Well, regardless, one of the best KU basketball players of all time. If we were to list in the top 100, you'd 100% be on that list for sure. <laughs> but Greg Dryling, former KU basketball player, now the head coach of the Crimson team. Good luck tonight, and uh, we'll see where the cards lay at the end of this thing. We'll have a good time. Just got done talking with both the head coaches, Greg Dreiling and Calvin Pony Thompson. So now we have all the info we need, Richie. We have all the info we could ever want to do our points draft. And I know you've been keeping notes back there at the studio. I know you've been uh, trying to play mind games with me. Are you ready to actually do the draft here?
4: I think I am. Uh, Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Okay, but first things first. Did we, we we talked a little in the break? Did you come up with a final confirmation of what you want to do for the loser? What does the loser get punished with?
4: I, I think we should do, uh, something, around do something, something around peppers spicy peppers or something. Peppers. I know you don't really don't like really spicy really food, like. But, I'm but I'm willing to go, to go way over beyond way over on beyond spicy, beyond spicy pepper. pepper.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like spicy food. I just I think there's a big difference between liking spicy food and enjoying eating a raw habanero.
4: Yeah, well, I, I, I can well, I, I See, I, I, my I, girlfriend yeah, I hates my me girlfriend for it because, me it because I will eat a raw, really habanero, raw right habanero right by itself. You do it for fun? Just, well, dude, I'm from South we'll Texas, that. man. That's, that's just what it is. Just what it is. That's, that's incredible. Just what it is. So, I mean, I'm willing to go I'm higher that's up. I don't think. I'm willing to go higher up.
0: Okay, well, how about this? I will eat a habanero and continue to do my radio show. Okay. You. What's like the next level beyond maybe, habaneros? Like, like the ghost hottest, pepper, the, Carolina the, Reaper. The hottest, the hottest
4: pepper man is the Carolina Reaper. I don't know where you would. Get yeah, but I don't want to make
0: you do the hottest. It uh, was just like, what's the like, next level to a habanero? Maybe
4: like a. I mean, that would be like a ghost pepper. Maybe I'd have to look at the uh, the Scoville units. Uh, but uh, that's uh, we're in that we're in that category, we're man. That category, it's something, category, something man. like it's ghost pepper or something. It's up there.
0: Well, the other piece of this too is like. It has to be something that I can just go to the local grocery store and that we can pick up.
4: That is true. That yeah. is true. That is true. Yeah. But we should do something So around maybe here. it's just Yeah.
0: Well maybe it's just finding the like hottest hot sauce that they have. Like maybe there's a ghost pepper sauce. Oh no,
4: they have like this something oh, no, they called they have, the like, Atomic, atomic, atomic bomb, bomb and I think it's made here, I think made here in Kansas. And it is okay. like the third hottest, hot, third hot, hottest, sauce hottest ever. hot sauce ever. They have it on the show really? the, hot, yeah, ones. Yeah, the hot ones. Yeah, it's it's just crazy.
0: Okay, well then you have to do like a, I don't know, a droplet of that or something.
4: That's, that's I Absolutely. can do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, well then let's get going with this draft, with the points draft. I'm giving you the first pick because you finished last, last time. Oh, um, this is what we're going to do with the draft. You have to draft two guards, yep. one forward, yep. one wild card, mm-hmm. and two... Just whatever you want after yeah. that. Now, you don't have to go in any order. You can draft your wild card first, your forward first. You just have to have those six positions. And again, you can draft them in whatever order. Here are the available players in the draft pool. The guards, Ben McElmore, Tyshawn Taylor, Elijah Johnson, Travis Relford, Svee Mikhailuk, and Brady Morningstar for the Crimson team. For the blue team, the guards, Devontae Graham, Russell Robinson, Sharon Collins, Mario Little, and Tyrell Reed. As far as forwards, you have... Markeith Morris, Clay Young on the Crimson team, Marcus Morris, Cole Aldridge, Jeff Graves on the blue team. And then the wild cards, these are players who, maybe they're a little bit older, um, you have some of the female players as well, you have the football players in here as well. For the Crimson team, Billy Thomas, Steven Vinson, Natalie Knight-Johnson, Danielle McRae, Brandon McAnderson, and then on the blue team, Ron Kellogg, Carolyn Davis, Todd Reese, and Derek Fine. So you have the first pick. I will give you the floor here. Who's going number one overall in the draft?
4: Last year, I made a humongous mistake by going with Tyson Taylor. That was a big mistake. But But this year, I had Devontae Graham Graham at the top top of my my list, list. list. and then Calvin Thompson kind of scared Mm. me off a little bit. bit. I'm I'm going to go with Ben McLemore as my first pick. That's just historic. I thought
0: that was the clear number one pick. Um, but what scared you off from Calvin Thompson? Like, what did he specifically say that scared you off, Devonte Graham?
4: He was—he—he was, he made it pretty clear that Ben McLemore was going to probably be the high, high score. The but I was like, you know, I was kind of intrigued, was like, intrigued with Devonte Graham. You know, I you know? was like, mm. this man just made a lot of money. He actually been playing pretty good. So I'm like, maybe this would be a good challenge for Ben McLemore. But I just was like, you know what, historically ben mclemore has been really raking it up so in this in this tournament he takes it seriously i think it was the i i I was flipping on it but i went with now i'm going with ben mclemore
0: okay so i have back-to-back picks here so um i'm gonna take Devontae graham now what scares me a little bit is who knows you know you never know how much these guys are gonna play you never know how hard they're gonna play I could see Devontae trying to put on a show. He just got his $47 million contract with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, go out there, put up put up a 30-burger, put up a 40-burger. Is 30 enough to be a burger? 50-burger, whatever you want. <laughs> go match Ben McElmore, match for match. And then I have a second straight pick. Um, hmm. This is where it gets interesting. I'm going to go with the guy that Calvin Pony Thompson said thinks he is his dark horse to lead the team in scoring, and it's a guy that I've always been high on in events like this, usually does well, Mario Little. Dang it, man. I was going to go with that one. I hate you. I hate you. So that knocks out my two guard picks, and now you have back-to-back picks. Who would you like to go with?
4: Well, man, I'm going to... It's, it's a, i mean Russell Robinson's really intriguing. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Speed. I'm going to go with Mikhailu. I'm going to try Speed and see, see what he does in this term. He's a good three-point three shooter. Let's one hope, shooter. One let's one hope shooter. that let's hope he gets the ball and he can shoot the three. So I'm going to go Speed. So I'm going to go Speed. Okay, so you have
0: uh let's see. Speed, Macai Luke, and Ben McCollmore. I have Devonte Graham and Mario Little so far, and then you get another pick right here. Ooh. This is another team.
4: tough one. Another I'm, uh, tough, uh, man. I'm uh, tied uh, between man, two, I'm guys gonna, here. two guys here. Uh, I'm, gonna uh, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Marquise Morris. That's a, that's a tough one, man. For me, man. I mean, I'm tough between three guys there, but I'm gonna go with Marquise. That's a tough one, that's man. That's a tough one, I man.
0: So I'm excited because, well, I'm not totally excited. I kind of wanted Marquise as well, but I'll be honest, uh, like I didn't really know which one was the better pick uh, between Marquise and Marcus, and that's not true from being the typical, oh, they're twins, they're the same person thing. It's also from the fact of, okay, well, with Marquise, you could argue he doesn't have Ben Macklemore on his team, so he might have to carry the load more, but he also just signed the contract. So does that mean that he's not going to be playing as hard, or is Marcus? I, I I don't know. I'll just go with Marcus Morris because I need a forward as well. So now we both have two guards and a forward. I have another pick here. Um, hmm. Who is, your, who, is your pick? who is your forward pick? My third, my forward pick, my third pick overall, was Marcus Morris. That's it, okay. okay. We have split up the two Morris twins. And then I am going to go with one of my utility spots. That is going to (sighs) be between two people. Uh, Between three people, actually. Let's go with Elijah Johnson. Uh, Elijah has done well in this event. He is second of any player returning beyond Med-Maclemore. Elijah has the most points over the last three Rock Chalk Roundball Classics for returning players. So I will uh, go with Elijah and hope that he has another good game. So now you have back to back picks once again. again.
4: I'm going to go with uh, Russell Robinson. Russell Robinson. I think uh, he's a good solid pick. So I'm going to go with him as my first utility. And my second one. Oh, this is another tough one. I've got a couple of the pick from here. I don't know if he's going to. I'm trying to tie this together and one to thing
0: one thing going for you on russell robinson we already heard from calvin pony thompson that he is going to be a starter so you know you're getting started that's minutes what i, I was russell getting robinson. that's
4: why i was, I was like "Ooh, i hope, I russell's, still I hope russell's still sitting there well and
0: that's we don't have the starting five yet from greg dryling he said he hasn't figured that out yet there is one more starter of a guy that um that calvin pony thompson told me off air which i can share this with you right now if you would like i don't I don't know. I don't want to steer your decision because I don't want you to pick the guy just because I told you this, but I also don't want you to not end up with a guy because I didn't tell you this. So would you like me to tell you the information of who his other starter is going to be now that Brady Morningstar is actually on the Crimson team? Do it. Do it. Okay, his fifth starter, he said, is going to be Cole Aldridge.
4: Man, see, that changed it it a little bit. Now I'm like, you know what, maybe I go – I'm going to go with Cole Aldridge. I know know he hasn't touched the ball in a while, but – He's the tallest dude out there, and I'm hoping he's still uh, he still got it a little bit. I'm going to go with Cole as my second utility player.
0: Okay, so now I have back-to-back picks. This is tough. I'm between Tyrell Reed and Tyshawn Taylor. I mean, Travis Relaford always does well in these events because Nick, who – previously hosted the show with me used to always tell me he saw Travis Relford play in high school and pretty much him and his brother one would get the steal the other would cherry pick down the court and just dump the ball that's perfect in an exhibition game like this for a guy like Travis Relford um Sharon and Brady are both guys who could really score the basketball and just get hot and and hit a bunch of threes man the thing with Tyshawn Taylor is I'm worried about what happened two years ago where that messed you up where he ended up giving you the big goose egg, yeah, which scares yeah. me a little bit. Yeah, um, he, I'm just, just going to roll with it. I
4: don't think he played very much.
0: Mm. Yep. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to take Tyshon Taylor. I'm yes. going to take the risk because at this point, it is my second to last pick. It's my last pick that's not a wild card. I might as well go boomer boom bust here. I might as well go it. for the home run hit. Just and if he it. comes out, it. gives me 20 <laughs> points as my last non wild card pick. You're gonna you're gonna basically dislike Tyshawn Taylor forever.
4: Yeah, that's yeah, gonna that's, that's gonna really upset me. But that's a good pick, man. I mean, <laughs> he looked really good, man, <laughs> when he was playing he a couple years ago. So I was like, that's go. why I went with him. But, but should have should have uh, gone with like a, gone a gone couple like, years ago, ago Frank years Mason ago, or, Frank ben McLemore, or Ben Mclemore. Or ben but uh, uh, roll with it, man. Roll with it, man. Uh,
0: okay, so I just have my wild card pick. We
4: both do. Yep. Um.
0: Yeah. Um my heart. Says to pick Brandon McAnderson. I actually see Brandon McAnderson on the court. I don't know if I, I like. I, I kind of want to see him take a couple shots, and that is going to determine if I pick him or not. My heart is saying that, but my mind is saying to take Ron Kellogg or Todd Reesing.
4: See, I was going to. Yeah, I was, was, was kind of leaning, leaning with Ron Kellogg but, Kellogg, but then Calvin then Thompson, then Calvin Thompson Calvin was like. Was like He's, he's, he's tired already. Tired he ain't going to play very, play much. very and much. And I'm like, and well, I, do I? I don't do think I, should, I take him. should take him. That's where right, I'm at.
0: BMAC's right. actually coming up here, and he's going to join the broadcast. So before we make our wild card picks, okay. let me recap who we have, and he might be able to give us a little something. I have Devontae Graham, Mario Little, Marcus Morris, Elijah Johnson, Tyshawn Taylor. You have Ben McElmore, Svee McKay-Luke, Markeith Morris, Russell Robinson, Cole Aldridge. So BMAC now joining us here. BMAC, we are doing a points draft. Okay. Between me and Richie, my producer. We are each down to one pick remaining, which is our wild card pick. You were a member of the grouping of the wild cards. Mm. And I am stuck between you, Ron Kellogg, Billy Thomas, Todd Reesing, and Danielle McRae. Or maybe even Carolyn Davis. Can you provide five points tonight? Four points.
5: I'll provide you five points of focus. Intensity. Uh, mm, but this, uh, is oh, okay. this is only points. Um, this is
0: only points.
5: fantasy basketball where I'm getting rebounds and assists and stuff. Career high is five points. Okay. The problem is who is going to be willing to throw me the basketball? <laughs> A- and in the past, that has not been great. Two years ago... Perry Ellis made eye contact with me and then swung it to the other side. So I was like, the, the indications are clear here. Mm-hmm. Last year I got offensive rebound, that, or two years ago, offensive rebound that resulted in an assist, mm. uh, but still no offensive touches. <laughs> so don't count on me. If I were you, based on that breakdown, mm. you have to get the people who are irrationally confident mm. Todd Reesing, Ron Kellogg. Yep. <laughs> <Hot>. <laughs> Ron Kellogg thinks he's a real hooper still. Let me tell you, he is not.
0: We had him on the show yesterday. He was saying, I mean, I was, like, he was saying my shot is better today than it was when I played. And I asked him, I said, so are you going to give us, you know, a couple threes? And I, I sensed a bit of disdain in his voice that I only said a couple threes. Let me tell you something. So Ron Kellogg
5: used to be married to my aunt. So he used okay. to be my uncle. So I know him very, very well. He is not 10% as good of a shooter <laughs> as he used to be. He can't jump. He used to be a good athlete. I'm telling you, if I get out there, I'm going Pat Bev on him. Ooh. And we're on opposite teams. So if we're on the court at the
0: same time, don't pick him. Because okay. it's going to be cocked, and blocked down. So I'm not picking Kellogg. I'm actually going to leave Todd Racing because I know Richie, he went to the same high school as Todd Reese He wants to pick Todd Reese. I know you do. So I'll I be do. nice. I'll leave you that. I'm going to actually go the women's route. I'm going to go Carolyn Davis.
5: I like Carolyn. Mm-hmm. I like De- Danielle's a real, <laughs> real hooper. Yeah. So, and they're going to get enough looks. And what I like about the women's players is they hang around that baseline, so they're not they're not uh, in these places where you can't use them.
0: I like the women's basketball players as fantasy producers. Okay, I'm actually going Danielle McRae. She was the one who was the highest selection. In KU women's basketball history, so I'm going Danielle McRae. Richie, I'm guessing that means you're going with Todd Racing? Uh, I,
4: you know, I, 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 Mama, I'm a modern I'm man. Todd I'm going to stick with Todd, Todd Racing on that one. Thank you for okay. leaving me that though. You didn't have didn't to, do, have that, to do that
0: though. No, I, I figured you'd want that. I figured that'd be the nice thing to do. So the loser has to eat that really hot hot sauce, correct? Mm. Or
4: pepper? Yeah, whatever we, whatever we, habanero. whatever we decide or on we decide on
0: that. On. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so BMAC, what is going to be the key to you guys winning tonight? <laughs>
5: It's gonna it's all about the who's on your team and who actually wants to play and you can tell like the first 3 minutes. I'm hoping I am on a team with somebody who's trying to get buckets. A couple years ago, it was Frank Mason came out here with death stare. I was like, "Oh, okay, well, he's going to take care of it from here." Devonte's tricky because he yeah. in these environments, he looks like he's walking, but he makes every shot. So he's he's also a good bet. Uh, I, I think you're going to get something. I would go with whichever team Speed is on. He's a newcomer. Mm. They're going to be they're going to be chirping to him, and he's a great basketball player.
0: So I don't know if you've talked to your coach, Greg Dryling, at all. He came up here about 30 minutes before you came on, and he said, "My only rule as a coach, and this is actually a good good for you to know." He said, "My only rule: We're playing NBA Houston Rockets style. If you get an open shot, shoot it." He said, "I don't want anybody taking twos. He said, "Unless it's like an offensive rebound." He said, "If you take, if you pass up an open shot from three, you're getting to the bench." So be ready.
5: Yeah, I actually read the uh, coach Dryling let out his game plan early. Mm-hmm. The fine print said Brandon set screens, but <laughs> um, I assume he was talking to me. No,
0: he said, "He said I don't care who you are." Uh, he said, "He even said I don't even care if you're a football player." He said that exact thing. Uh, he said, "I want you firing right away." So you have the green light. Even
5: the the way that he said, even if you're a football player, is <laughs> hurtful. Uh, it, it hurts my soul. But I'm gonna let that slide. I you know I used to be an okay basketball player. What's funny is people are like, why don't you play and try out here? Well, uh, these are NBA players, so <laughs> the court Another is level. tiny, and yeah. it, you know because these guys are so long, so it's like the opportunity for me to make a fool of myself is extremely
0: high. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you know, if you don't if you don't try to guard Devonte, he's not going to shake you. But right. if you do, then you put yourself in a world of hurt. Speaking of Ron Ronquel, this happened two
5: years <laughs> ago. He went, he wanted a piece of Keith Langford, and Keith Langford took a piece <laughs> of his soul. So it's it's not a good idea to decide to
0: challenge one of these guys. All right, I'll let you get back to it. You can go warm up, get those shots ready, get that three point shot working. He's Brandon McAnderson. Thanks for joining. Oh wait, one more thing: Are you going to be at the bowling tomorrow? I, I'm like, I'm like Bo Jackson. Junior. Okay, I'm Bo Jackson
5: Jr. I'm playing basketball. I'm playing bowling on Friday and softball
0: on
4: Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you're you're you, like you said, you are Bo Jackson. You are the ultimate athlete here. I don't know if you knew this. I was I was doing broadcast prep. I went to your old Ku profile mm. on the website at the bottom here. Main hobby is bowling. Hmm. So I think I think you're trying to play coy here. I think you are a dark horse tomorrow.
5: I can, I can really bowl. The problem is I can only bowl one game well. Then mm. I get tired of the sport in general. But <laughs> I that one game I'm gonna be firing on all cylinders, man. I'm ready. Mm, I love it. All right,
0: B Good luck today. Hope we can get a bucket for you.
5: Yes, sir. Pass it to me, guys. If anybody else comes on this show. You know, if you want to send a text message to your favorite uh, KU basketball
0: legend, just tell him to pass it to Brandon. There we go. Give BMAC a bucket. And I heard a little birdie told me that if you score more points bowling than Ben McElmore your teammate, has whatever, you double his score, you are the real BMAC. I think he's so beloved
5: he's the real, <laughs> real BMAC. Uh, but I have it tattooed on my arm, so it's
0: inescapable. Yeah, (laughs) there we go. There we go. All right, thanks again for the time. All right, guys. All right, Richie Boswell back in studio. I'm Derek Johnson. Real quick, once again, running down our teams. I've got Devontae Graham, Mario Little, Marcus Morris, Daniel McRae, Elijah Johnson, Tyshawn Taylor. Richie's got Ben McLemore, Svee Mikhailuk, Markeef Morris, Todd Racing, Russell Robinson, and Cole Aldridge. Whoever scores more points is the winner. Whoever scores less points is the loser and has to either eat a habanero or eat really, really hot hot sauce. So not fun either way if you're the loser. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, more RCST Live from Free State High School. Again, tickets still for sale at the front. I don't know how many they have left now because they've let people in. The doors are open. But come on by. All the proceeds. Go to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Club.